0: Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message.
1: I believe God's called you to be a leader. And and I want to treat you and I want to speak to you like a, a leader today because you're called to be that. Um, I don't know if you know this, but this world needs leaders, yeah. desperately needs leaders. It's something that I pray over my two boys um, every every day. I pray two things over them. I pray one. Um, for their wives I know they're five and seven but I'm starting now so I'm just like Lord prepare them let them not be crazy Uh, may they get along with their with with my wife and just you know and and make us lots of grandbabies those are my prayers and and then the other thing I pray is that they would be the head and not the tail what I mean is that they would be a leader in every environment that they walk into when they walk onto the golf course or when they walk onto the dance floor that they would be leaders and not followers and that's really what a leader is it's someone who takes people somewhere and for so long in this country even christians have been led by pop culture or led by celebrities or led by popular thinking and or, or led by you know what they say on fox news and cnn and i just think this world needs somebody to be like you know what if let's not go that way let's go this way let's walk towards peace let's walk towards hope let's walk towards life and in second peter first peter chapter 2 verse 9 it says this but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light the phrase there that i wanted to hone in on was you are a royal priesthood to be a priest was to be a leader and so now god is telling you you're a leader well how do i know he's talking to me well if you go to the first chapter of first peter it says to god's elect listen exiles who are scattered throughout the provinces, exiles. He's talking to exiles. Theologians don't know who Peter's writing to here. He's either writing to the people who have been persecuted and have scattered, or a lot of people believe actually this one, that he's writing to all Christians whose home is in heaven, but they're not home yet. So they feel like they're lost. I just think it's cool that when God drafted a team, he drafted them from the outcasts to the exiles and to the outcasts. If somebody ever said you weren't good enough, that was just the qualifier for being good enough for God. He always comes to the outcasts, he always comes to the exiles, and so he pulls them in. So this is for you, like it or not, you are a leader. Well, I don't feel like a leader, too bad you're a leader. Well, I'm not a good leader, amen. Nobody said you were, but you're still one. You're a leader because people are looking at you and people are following you. Whether you're a good one or you're a bad one, it doesn't matter. You are a leader. People are looking at you. You are influencing people around you. And so I'm gonna really review the, the, the four that we went over and then I'll, I'll give you some new ones. So the first thing we talked about was that you're important, but not that important. These are some things that I'm learning as a being a leader myself, and that sounds super offensive, like you're not important, but you gotta let me explain. It's actually really encouraging. Um, God revealed this to me on an on a Easter Sunday when I preached and I thought I just bombed. I thought I did so bad uh, two, two Easter Sundays ago and I went to my wife and, uh, and I was just being a big baby and, uh, and I was like, nobody's ever gonna come back to church. That was just the worst sermon ever. And uh, my wife told me with all the love in her heart, she said, you're important, but not that important. Amen. You need, a, you need someone in your life like that who will be straight up with you. Because so if you think people are coming to this church because you're a good preacher, you're mistaken. Um, they're coming to this church because of who Jesus is and because of his power and because of his presence. And that's when I realized that I have a responsibility to prepare and I have a responsibility to live my best life, but the results, that's not my job. That's God's job. And so I put that on him. If you're a dad, if you're a mom, you do the best that you can uh, to love on your kids. But I preached this uh, last Sunday that getting them to heaven, not your job. You got to do your job, which is to love God, love people, fill that house with Jesus's love you're important but not that important and you should say amen because that means that you don't have the, the saving the world the responsibility of saving the world is not yours Hallelujah. it's not yours your responsibility is to obey to be faithful to love God second thing we said was speak to the supervisor speak to the supervisor and uh it was a play on a story um, where where Liz you know she's just, she's just ghetto and she just called Zara Zara was on the phone Um, so he sent us some shoes that she didn't, two of the same foot size or something like that, or two different shoes. I can't remember. And so she called Zara to get a new pair of shoes in and the person on the phone said, you know, can't do it. And she said, let me speak to your supervisor. That's something she told me. And then that person couldn't do it either. And so she said, well, let me speak to your supervisor. She got like three supervisors in. (laughs) Finally, she got to somebody and this person said, ma'am, there is no one else you can talk to. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was speaking to the president of Zara. She she said this. She said, I'm sorry, Mr. Zara. On the phone, just like that. I was sitting there, I'm like, babe, they might go to our church, (laughs) you never know. That's like in the back of my mind now all the time. I mean, I should be nice just because, but but just keeping it real which sucks because now I, I can't be tired in the morning when I go to Dunkin' Donuts. Because, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're, not, you're just not a happy person. But the person who handed me my coffee went to our church. And so I was like, hey, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Um, and um, so and, and guess what? Um, when she told him that. The guy was like, okay, there's someone else. And when he got that person on the phone, um, guess what that person was able to do? What everyone else wasn't before. And the point is that um, everybody kept telling her, you can't have these shoes because that's policy. Um, But it's amazing what power can do to policy. Power trumps policy. Policy is what can and can't be done. And in your life, there's some things that you think that can and cannot be done. But if you get the right person on the phone, you know what I'm talking about now, I'm talking about prayer. If you connect to the person who has the power, policy fades, policy fails. What was possible and what isn't possible is no longer. It's a new definition because you got the right person on the phone. And then I talk to you about... Uh, Finding a dream to live in and live for. Finding a live dream to live in and live for Uh, comes from the movie Inception. You guys ever seen that movie? Leonardo DiCaprio, (laughs) Prio, Per. I need water. Um, (laughs) DiCaprio, and uh, in that movie, spoiler alert, it's all a dream. Okay, and uh, it's not just a dream, but it's a dream in a dream in a dream. And we said, if you're going to be a leader and you're going to be leading people, leading in your relationship, leading at work, leading at home, leading at school, leading at church, leading on a team, um, that uh, you need a dream big enough so that other people's dreams can fit in your dream. And so our church, we want to be a place where, where we dream so big that, that your dream can live in this dream. So it's a dream in a dream. And so you have a responsibility, listen to me, not just to chase your dream because that's what everyone will tell you now. That's what all the Instagram hustle videos will show you now. Go after your dream. Go after your dream. Go after your dream. That's selfish. Go after your dream is a part of it, but here's the other pieces. You need to go after your dream. Your dream needs to live in someone else's dream, and you got a dream so big that someone else can live in your dream. So there's three levels of dreaming, and then the last thing we said was you got to remember to remain. Not, Not remember to remain, but that remembering is what helps you remain I'm at the stage of my life now where I'm no longer impressed by by how many how many people follow you or or how much money you have especially when it comes in the church world there's a, a new you know preacher every week and I love them and I learn from them but you know who I'm looking after I know who I want to learn from I want to learn from the people who've been doing it 20 30 years I want to talk to those Christians those 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 soldiers in the faith who have been serving God now for 30 40 years because they they, they stuck it out they made it and, and if you want to bring change to anything in your life you know you got got to stick it out if you want to bring change if you want to lead your daughter if you want to lead your son you know you got to stick it out in the relationship with them you got to be there with them in the ups and the downs and when it goes sideways you got to remain you gotta and you got to remember remember what remember why you said yes in the first place all right so in the 13 minutes that are left I'm gonna give you these six points number one number one number three less is more less is more somebody say less is more it is man you know sometimes you have to do less uh, when I first started in ministry, I was trying to make money because I had a family and Liz has expensive tastes and she really does, y'all. You don't even know. She can, she can go to a, a store and uh, with no tags on anything, pull out the most expensive thing on the rack. It's almost a superpower uh, or an evil, an evil power, um, one or the other. She's actually physically allergic to fake gold. That's how bougie her DNA is. Uh, she's... Physically allergic. To true story, I got her fake gold one time, broke out. I was like, I can't even pretend, you know. Like, and so, I, and so I just, I saw, so what I did was I opened up a graphic design company, Integrity Graphics. And my first week opening up this business, I got a, a contract with the school system in uh, uh, Alachua County. Uh, I was nobody. But somebody, the person who was filling out the contracts was a member of the church that I was attending at that time. So they gave me a contract to do all of the graphic designing for, um, for all the magnet schools in Alaska County. And I was pumped about it um, until one night um, when Liz was on the couch watching Law & Order SVU. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, you want to watch TV with me? And I said, I can't, I got to do these graphics. And uh, also had to preach that Sunday and also had to teach a class. And, you know, I realized that sometimes good leaders know when to say no. And sometimes the best leaders do less. I think that busyness is the narcotic of today. I honestly believe that. Um, Although we wear it like a badge of honor, um, it's very similar to a narcotic. One, I think that busyness will numb you. And so if you're dissatisfied in your life, all you need is a to-do list. Because the to-do list will distract you from the state of your heart and your mind. And so as long as I'm busy, I don't have to feel. It's also addictive. You tell me what's more addictive than crossing something off your to-do list. Very, very few things. But like a narcotic, it's also self-destructive. Because you're doing so many things, you never stop to ask yourself if you're doing the right things. And I think we need to exchange busyness for effectiveness. And that's different. Effectiveness doesn't do more. Effectiveness accomplishes more by doing less. When you do more, not only are you damaging yourself, but you're also damaging others. Did you know that? Tell your neighbor, don't be a hero. That's very important advice because so many of us try to be heroes at church or try to be heroes in our relationship or try to be heroes with our children or try to be heroes in our workplace. We, we see that nobody else is doing a job. And so we, we do that job for them. And then we get mad when people don't care about the job or don't care about the house or don't care about the relationship. But how can I care about something that costs me nothing? This was the story of David and Aruna. David wanted to make a sacrifice and Aruna wanted to give David the land. And David said, I will not offer God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Because if I have to pay nothing for it, I'm not going to value it. If you don't pay a price, you don't value. You know why you were the only one who cared about your relationship and why it never worked out with that guy? Because you were the only one willing to pay the cost in it. He never did his part. And you kept warning, he doesn't value me. He doesn't, he has no, he just sees no worth in me. Of course, because you never asked him to pay the price. My son now is starting to understand the value of money. You know why? Because now he's at the stage where he's not allowed to buy anything unless he can raise his own money. He used to go up in the dollar store with his grandpa like, you know, like it was Christmas. Now, when he goes with us, he goes, how much is that? He knows it's a dollar. I don't even know why he asks. It's a dollar store. But he goes in there. He's like, how much is that? Hoping that something's 20 cents, you know? And we're like, man, it's a dollar. He goes, "Woo!" He goes, goes "Woo!" I'm not, I'm not wasting my money on that, you know? And, and he learned the value of a dollar when he learned the cost of a dollar. And so here's the thing. When you're doing a lot, you're robbing other people of the opportunity to add value to the thing that they're doing. You're stealing from them. You're stealing from them value uh, for what they could be doing. Sometimes you got to do less with less people, too. You know, sometimes people will leave you in your life. Like we sang that song. All I need is Jesus. and, 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 and And that's true to an extent because, you know, we need people in our lives, too. But we don't just need people. We need the right people. I have learned through trial and error that not all people are my people. And that when God takes people out of my life, it was because I never needed them to begin with. Sometimes God will take you further with less people around you. Did you know that? That's what happened with Jesus when he said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he was just talking about, you know, communion. He was talking about having a relationship with him. But when he said that, so many of the disciples left. And then Jesus looked at the ones that were still there. And he said, do you want to go too? Because you could go. That's like not the Jesus that I know. Like the Jesus that I know is trying to get as many people to come to him. But this Jesus is like, hey, if you want to go, it's cool. I don't want to force anyone to be here who, who, who doesn't want to be here because we're trying to change the world. And if you're going to be in this, I need you to be committed. We need you to have the same vision. And so the problem sometimes is we're trying to do life for people who have a different vision. Have a different vision for their life. Have a different vision for, for your life. So sometimes when people go, you got to let them go. You got to let them go. And sometimes it's, do, it's, it's important to do good with less goals. Less goals. Don't talk to me about your... 20 New Year's resolutions, okay? Try and narrow it down. Here's what one pastor told me. He said, if everything's important, nothing's important. So you got to ask yourself what's important. What's important and go all in for that. Number four, culture is king. Culture is king. Culture is king. Culture is king. If you're a leader, culture is king. What is culture? Culture is the way something feels, okay? When you walk into Chick-fil-A, there's culture there. My pleasure. Chick fil A has made me a better person. People do things for me now, and when they say thank you, I do things to people, and when they say thank you, I say, my pleasure. I got that from Chick fil A. Because Melissa called me out on it one time. She's like, what are you, Chick fil A? She's told me that time. And I'm like, but, but listen, but culture, he's talking about culture, culture is contagious. When you get around it and it impacts your life in a positive way, you want to you wanna spread that. So, so Chick-fil-A's got culture. But you know what else got culture? Subway. It's always dirty when I go in there, at least my Subway. I've never met a happy person who's worked at Subway either. They all look sad. All right. And then my other question is, what is in that back room? That's my other question about Subway. That's my other question about someone. Somebody's never happy. There's good culture and there's bad culture. You know, families have culture. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when you were a kid and you went over your friend's house? Now you either had two types of friends. You had the one friend that made you wish that family was your family. You know what I'm talking about? They all sat down at the table. Like, How was your day? And you're like, you got Sydney dinner? oh my gosh, I ate dinner in my room. This is crazy. You're all talking. Nobody's yelling at each other, right? That's good culture. Then we all had that other friend who made you grateful that you were born an orphan. Like, it's that bad, you know? Like, it's that bad. You go there and they're shouting and they're yelling. Things are being thrown. and You're like, I don't want to be here. Like, cell phones haven't even been invented yet. Like, somebody's calling me. You know, I got to go and... And that's, and that's culture. Now, good leaders create culture. You know, people change people. You know that? You know what people love about Journey Church? I'll tell you what I loved about I went to Hillsong London uh, for our 10-year anniversary. We were in London. I went there. And uh, I'm sorry, I feel like I keep bragging about my anniversary, but it was cool. And so I uh, went to this church, Hillsong. You guys know them probably. You sing a lot of their songs. And um, can I be honest? Like, I, first of all, I was blown away but I was not blown away with some of the things that you think you would go to church for. I wasn't blown away by the preaching, for example. And I'm not trying to hate, you know. Hillsong, if you're listening, you're awesome. Um, but, but there were more people asleep in just my row during the sermon than I'm not hating on them. Again, it was great. The worship was phenomenal, obviously. Uh, and they had lasers. <laughs> cool. It was cool. But the thing that blew me away the most was when I met with their children's pastor and um, they were, first off, their children's ministry was two blocks away from the main building. And, and then it was on the third floor of a three-story building. And there were these big boxes, like the ones we have in our kids' ministry, big with wheels, easily, you know, 100 pounds, 150 pounds, 200 pounds, 300 pounds. I don't know how heavy these pounds are, but it's a lot. It's really heavy. And, and, and I said, and I saw them set it all up because I've, I've, I've seen the setup and tear them, and I go, man. Where's the elevator? And they said, elevator? He said, we carried that up three flights of stairs. Wow, of and it, but he said it like this. <laughs> and then he said, and then he said, this is, I was like, no, this is a great church. He said, and it was fun. <laughs> I was blown away, not by the preaching. I was blown away by the person. Wow. Yeah. What impacted me was was the culture of the, of the room, you know? Like what's going to blow somebody away at Journey is not the preaching, it's not the worship. It's when they walk into church and you meet them. And you're like, what's up, man? And they're like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know you, but I like your energy. <laughs> like your energy, that's great. You know, like, and, and they're there for one day and they already made three friends and they're going out for coffee with one of you. And they're like, that's what changes their life. So be on the lookout for first-time guests. You know who they are. They look lost. You know who they are. They're the people who walk up, and if anybody ever looks up, they're lost. You know it. Nothing's up there. We all know that because we've been there, but they don't. That's the first place they look. Jesus, you know, I don't know what they're looking for, but they're, you know, they're like this. And, and I'm just telling you, when you see someone like that, you want to attack them with love. What's going on? My name's JJ. How are you? Is this too much right now I'm sorry we just really love people here at journey church and and so so how do you create culture here's how you don't do it teach about it what I'm doing right now this is cool but you know this isn't effective you're not really gonna remember this sermon but you know what will impact your life if you ever go out to eat with me and you catch me in a conversation with the waiter or the waitress and my conversation isn't just about what we're ordering. It's about how their day go, how their day is going. And man, you look really stressed and I'm sorry you're going through that. And then I leave a crazy tip and you see the tip and you go, okay, why? Because culture is not taught, it's caught. You gotta get around it. So here's how you create it, you be it. You be it. You wanna be at a church where it's friendly? Be friendly. You wanna lead a home where your kids love Jesus? How often do they see you love Jesus? Zane, Justice walked down this, uh, early this morning. He's getting up earlier and earlier. Pretty soon, I'm going to have to lock him up or something. I don't know. <laughs> He's getting up earlier and earlier. And this morning, he got up during my prayer time. And it looked like I was walking around. Because when I pray, you know, it just depends how I feel. But I was in a walking mood that day. I was just in a walking mood. And so, so I was doing this. And I had my, I had my new uh, AirPods in. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I said that. But, right? <laughs> And he looked at me and this is what I told him. I said, I said, don't mind me. Daddy's just praying. And you're like, well, doesn't the Bible say don't tell anybody, you know, (laughs) when you pray? I goes, that doesn't apply to my son. I want him to know. I want him to know that before you got up, daddy was pressing in on heaven's gates. I want you to know that before you woke up, because daddy loves God and daddy spends times with God. And the more he sees that in me, the more I know. Can't tell you how many times I've walked in on my mother growing up um, praying. On her knees, my grandmother in the morning, reading her Bible. My grandmother, I found out my my grandmother every morning would be reading her Bible. Every morning with cookies and butter. Every morning and a cup of coffee. Every morning. I didn't find out until I was 20. My grandmother was illiterate. The only reason she had the Bible open in the morning was so that I could see that in the morning we read our Bibles. She just wanted me to know. She couldn't read. I should have I realized it. She was right in the middle for 15 years. I'm like, man, Psalms 58 is really ministering. <laughs> Psalms 58 is doing it. She's been meditating on that joke for 15 years. <laughs> Psalms 58 is revival. My God. When are you going to preach that sermon on Psalm 58, Grandma? You've <laughs> been here for a decade. <laughs> Dang, girl. I should have picked up on it, but I didn't. She just wanted me to know that in the morning, she was creating culture for our family. You want to create culture, you got to be culture. You got to be it. You got to be it. You got to be it. Number five, do it before you think you can. Man, 8.30. Do it before you think you can. Do it before you think you can. Now, I got to be careful with this because somebody could take this and abuse it and just, you know, but you got to take this revelation in the right maturity. Um, I think good leaders are always accomplishing things and doing things before they're ready for it because we live our lives in faith. We live our lives in faith. I, I love the, um, the story of the 12 spies. This is the last story. I, I'll, I'll share this to another point, but um, the 12 spies who went into the promised land and um, Moses sent them to find out if the land was good he wanted to know about it. And, and when they came back, 10 of them said, we can't do it. And two of them said, we can. Now, the interesting thing is, even though two said that they can and 10 said that they couldn't, the whole uh, people of Israel were punished because it created disbelief in the whole community. I take that to mean that the report was not just representative of like a bunch of different people, but of, but of one body. It was one body. And, and they were supposed to go anyway. Even though 10 of them said no, they were supposed to go anyway. Here's how I take it and I'll break it down to you. I did the math. That's 83%. 83% of them said it can't be done. 17% said it can. Here's the revelation. You know it's a God thing if 83% of you thinks you can't do it. But if you got 17%, 17% people ask me, how did you know it was you. God asked you to start joining church. I didn't. How were you sure? I wasn't. How sure were you? 17%. <laughs> 17%. You went out on 17%. I just, I just, I just had to, I just had to, the, the, the people who don't are the people who don't want to follow God. They want God to follow them. The people who never step out in faith are the people who want to wait. God, hold on. They're going to wait until they have it all together. They're going to wait until they have all the answers. They're going to wait until it's all set up. And then when it's all set up, they're going to say, okay, God, now you can come. But when you live by faith, God's always ahead of you. God's always asking you to do things that you're not ready for, that you're not prepared for, that you're not asking for. That's what I love about Peter. That's what I love about Peter. Peter Peter jumps out on the water. Jesus says, Peter, come on out on the water. How How did Peter know he wasn't going to drown? He didn't. He didn't. You know what he thought to himself? He goes, listen, I might jump out and, and, I might, and, I might, and I might fall and I might sink. I might drown, but I won't die. Why won't I die? Because Jesus is there. I don't need, I don't live my life based on failure and success. Maybe I'll do good. Maybe I won't do good. But if Jesus is there, I won't die. He'll pick me up. I might get wet, but I won't drown. I might fail, but I'll be okay. He'll pick me up. I just need to go where Jesus is. I got to redefine success, y'all. You got to redefine success. Not as winning and losing, but as obeying and disobeying. As faithfulness and being not faithful. God asks you to do it. Just go do it. If you fail, he'll be there to pick you up. That's my question. Did Peter succeed or did Peter fail? Don't answer. Think about it. Think about it. Did he succeed or did he fail? Because if in one hand he he sank, but on the other hand, there were 11 other disciples in that boat and not one of them got to experience what it was like to defy gravity. Not one of them. Did he, did he, did he win or did he lose? Maybe the answer is both, both. Maybe faith is like that. Both. I have the worship team come up and we'll close and, and then I'll I'll email you the last two points after that. But. <laughs> here's, my, here's my point number eight. I'm jumping to eight and, and I'll give six and seven. I'll give them all right now because I'm not doing a part three. Number six, ministry is what you do, not who you are. You got to separate and not just ministry, but anything, being a dad, um, uh, anything, like whatever your job is, you can fail at that thing that you do, but the thing that you do is not the person that you are. You got to separate those two. The thing that you do, whatever it is, profession, it's not who you are. Number seven, prioritize health because healthy things grow. Stop trying to produce fruit. Hello. Stop trying to produce fruit. Just be a healthy branch connected to the vine. Because if you're a healthy branch connected to the vine, guess what healthy things do? They grow. By themselves, so you got to ask yourself: Am I healthy spiritually? Is my family healthy? Am I eating healthy? Am I in the gym? Am my relationships healthy? Is your schedule healthy? If you just get healthy, healthy things will grow. And here's the last one: There's no such thing as there, so stop hating here. There's no such thing as there, so stop hating here. Can't tell you how many times I've heard. When I get there, when I get there, then I will be. When I get there, then I will be. When my business takes off, then I will be. When I get married, then I will be. When our church grows, then we will be. When I get that position, then I will be. When I graduate, then I will be. When I get that job, then I will be. If you keep waiting to be happy when you get there, And if you keep hating on here, here's the irony of there. Here's the irony of hating here. Are you ready? Here's the irony, that once you get there, it's here. So if you can't enjoy here, what will happen when there becomes here? You still won't be able to enjoy it. You gotta learn to enjoy here because here is where we'll always live there is a mythological place it honestly is it's mythological it's fun to talk about it's fun to dream about but it does not exist the only place that exists in life is here is right here you got to learn to find God here I'll find God when I get there no he's the God who is here And if you can't find him here, let me tell you something. You will not find him there. He's the God who is here. You know, this Sunday we celebrate the day of Pentecost. And uh, it's a celebration as Christians of the day that the Holy Spirit, hear me, came here. To a group of people who were broken. To a group of people who were tired and empty. To a group of people who had no answer or direction. God came here. God is always coming here. Have you noticed? He knew that we couldn't get there. So he became a man and came here. And then when he went back to heaven, he sent his spirit to come here. He's the God who meets you right here. So I'm gonna ask you to stand at your feet if you would. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come on up and line up in the front. And Here's what I wanna do as we sing a song and we close out tonight. What is your here? For some people, you're here tonight is, uh, I don't know, confusing, chaotic. You're here right now. Like, if I were to ask you to describe here, how would you describe it? How would you describe here? Lonely, empty, broken, hurting. Wherever you're here is, here's what I want you to know God wants to meet you here and so as we worship i want to count to three and
0: uh,
1: if you need prayer today uh, our prayer team our leaders uh, we're going to be here and we want to pray for you And here's what we're going to pray that god would meet you right here that you wouldn't have to wait to get there to find peace you wouldn't have to wait there to find hope you wouldn't have to wait to get there to find your answer that he would meet you right here so every head bowed every eye closed, let me pray for you I also want to be sensitive to the time. So when I say amen and I count to three, if you've got to go, you can go. But if you'd like prayer, you can come and have prayer. I'll see you this Sunday at At The Movies for week two. We got a lot of surprises. This is going to be good, but I don't want to miss here right now. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for who you are and I thank you for what you've done. You are awesome and powerful and, and beautiful. And I thank you, you're the God of here. You're so, you're so here. You're not there. You're not in another age you're not another stage of life you're right here right now and if anybody needs you god i want them to know and experience your love you're here ready to ready to bless ready to love ready to meet ready to come into the drama come into the chaos come into the confusion the god who's here things aren't going good he's here he's here he's here
0: thanks so much for joining us today we hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.